Hello everyone, this is uh, Alberto Ferro, your host at uh, Where is the Music podcast. As you're getting ready for a new musical investigation, preparing your ears and imagination for another journey in the world of music, I would like to remind you that Where is the Music podcast has no sponsor. It relies entirely on donations from listeners like yourselves. You can find a link to my website, albertoferro.com, and to my Patreon account in the episode description. If you like what I do and would like me to continue doing it, I encourage you to become a supporter of the podcast, which publishes an episode every week. Thank you for listening, and now let's find out where is the music. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today I thought we could take a deep dive into the ternary principle in music. Um, We're gonna see all things in three. The number three is just a number, but I hope I will be able to show you throughout today's episode the special spot that the number three occupies in uh, musical creativity. Uh, I should say many, many numbers do. Um, The relationship between uh, music and mathematics is is vast and has many uh, trajectory and perspectives. Um, And particularly number three exemplifies one of the possibilities in which uh, musical creatives and, and music ex- expression can be uh, influenced, inspired um, by a principle, a mathematical or sometimes a logical, sometimes geometrical principle, um, in order to create uh, m- musical meaning, musical content. When talking about music, as soon as we open uh, the doors to numbers, we are establishing a connection with mathematics. And uh, to start, I'm going to just give you a couple of uh, quotes taken from uh, Wikipedia. So, though ancient Chinese, Indians, Egyptian and Mesopotamian are known to have studied the mathematical principle of sound, but the Pythagorean of ancient Greece were the first researchers known to have investigated the expression of musical scales in terms of numerical ratios. So they were able to express, this is me, uh, they were able to express um, sounds, particularly uh, sounds relationships, intervals between sounds in terms of uh, ratios, fractions. Um, This is one of the first um, encounter between music and mathematics. And then back on to Wikipedia. Their central doctrine was that all nature consists of harmony arising out of numbers. That's interesting. Hmm? From the time of Plato, harmony was considered a fundamental branch of physics. Early Indians and Chinese theorists show similar approaches. All sought to show that the mathematical laws of harmonics and rhythms were fundamental not only to to our understanding of the world, 
but to human well-being. Confucius, like Pythagoras, regarded the small numbers 1, 2, 3 and 4 as the source of all perfection. This is to show how far back the relationship between music and mathematics goes. And um, so let's start. I'm going to start by saying that the distinction between duple and triple, meaning binary and ternary, is at the basis of musical creativity, particularly in relations with tempo and rhythm, which will be the area of our focus today. This is different because this applies to the way in which uh, we count time, we express musical time through numbers. As a matter of fact, and this is the second quote from Wikipedia, the modern terms meter and measure that we use to describe musical time reflect the historical importance of music in the development of counting, arithmetic, and the exact measurement of time and periodicity that is fundamental to physics. Periodicity, that's, a, that's an interesting word. Think of uh, astronomy. Think of the importance that uh, the realization that there are period periodical events uh, that uh, surround Earth. How important that was for uh, the understanding of physics, mathematics, uh, nature, the world. Um, so looking at periodical events has given rise to concepts like uh, meter and measure uh, which are uh, which we now we now use to describe musical time looking at early music we find that one of the most important way of composing and obviously i'm referring to uh, vocal music was through rhythmic modes which is the first uh, the, the first new concept here that I introduced today, rhythmic mode. A rhythmic mode is a unit of two or more syllables organized in alternation of long and short, which in Latin are called longa and brevis. This is, by the way, a topic that I uh, explored a bit uh, in a previous episode. I think it was one uh, called Music and Poetry. Uh, in which I, I was talking about, uh, I was using Mozart uh, to describe the relationship between the metrical foot in uh, poetry and uh, the way music applies uh, this principle to create uh, rhythm and melody. Coming back to the rhythmic modes, each mode consisted of a short pattern of long and short note value corresponding to a metrical foot, as I said, which we found, we find as well in poetry. Um, for example, the first rhythmic um, mode is long-short, which is called trochi. The second is short-long, which we call yamb. The third is long, short and short, 
which we call dactyl. Perhaps you recall this from school, troche, yamb and dactyl. Um, and there are three more uh, combinations of, of long and short, each one being a rhythmic mode. So now the, the first very interesting aspect, all these modes adhere to a ternary principle of meter meaning that each mode would have a number of uh, bit subdivisions divisible by the number 3. What does that mean? That uh, however you combine these, mo these modes all together, one after the other, but it seems possible that you can um, that you can musically set uh, all of them together uh, under a ternary meter under a ternary subdivision of meter like either a waltz or a, um, or just a compound time signature so some medieval writers explained this fact um, as a veneration for the perfection of the holy trinity which uh, i mean it makes sense if you think of uh, early music uh, until perhaps uh, the Baroque and the, and the classical music it makes sense to say well how come this uh, whole system uh, has this special relationship with number with number three ah, it must be because of the Holy Trinity but uh, perhaps today we can see this as a, an explanation you know uh, after the fact, not uh, not exactly the cause. However, it is interesting to point this out. So the first example I'm going to play today is to show um, how these uh, rhythmic modes do impact uh, all music in a way or another. And um, this is uh, from a very uh, famous uh, classical piece by uh, Schubert, you have heard this a million times. This is the um, incredibly beautiful Schubert impromptu in G flat from the opus 90. So um, if you look at the top melody, we have a combination of the third mode and the fifth mode. The third was long, short, short, and here we go. Long, short short and the fifth was a combination of long and long so from the beginning long short short long long right long short short long long then we have um, another fifth mode, uh, 
uh, which are long and long. In this case, the second long has been turned into a melisp, and you'll see what that means. And then in the end, um, a fourth mode, which is short, short, long. Here we have long and long. Long. That's the melisp, a single note, which perhaps is this one. has been turned into this is obviously possible because um, all all the way throughout uh, throughout history until romantic at least a single syllable was sung on uh, different notes so you can tell if this is sung on a syllable on a single syllable now metrically speaking they're just one foot rather than four different notes um, so as we were saying this is long long then short short long I think you see the point now um, the ternary principle might apply even uh, to to other levels of uh, creativity. So, uh, if we think of, for example, um, uh, music that is set in three bits at a time, like a waltz, uh, we call it in three four. Sure, it's amazing. But uh, if we consider each single beat and we subdivide it uh, in three then we have what we call in music uh, compound time signatures so music can apply uh, a principle a ternary principle by grouping beats together like in a waltz by subdividing each beat into three. So it's gonna be one, two, three, 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 one, right? That's what subdivision means. Starting from this principle, you can see how combinations of uh, uh, time signatures and subdivisions and compounds meter can 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 create so for example uh, three bits music is uh, uh, the same the same time signature we use for a mazurka for a minuet for a waltz or for example for a saraband like uh, this one taken from uh, Bach English suite in F major
it is difficult given how uh, slow uh, and uh, yeah emotional it is this kind of music to hear a ternary beat underneath a ternary uh, rhythm underneath but there is actually this uh, uh, not only is in three but it is also um, using a second rhythmic mode the short long short long and again short long and again So uh, I mentioned uh, subdivisions and uh, compound meter. Uh, an example is a uh, time signature of 9-8. The 9-8 is um, a ternary uh, time signature. We can think of it as um, 1 and 2 and 3 and the and an example and also it's, uh, it's compound meaning that each bit is subdivided in three as i said is one two three two two three three two three an example is from um, another english suite uh, by johann sebastian bach this one is six in d minor scale up to the so-called uh, macro uh, level um, we encounter a, a series of different application of number three uh, particularly with regard to phrases and uh, musical form so the next example is taken from uh, Beethoven sonata this is uh, the sixth Beethoven sonata opus 10 number two I'm going to uh, play you a bit of this and then talk through a few, uh, a few aspects. is the young Beethoven already full of energy so uh, how is free relevant here by the way the, the time signature is 2-4 so nothing to do with number with number three um, well let's look at the very first statement 
see something that Beethoven uh, does in various occasions in his, particularly in his early music, um, which is a attempt to start once, attempt to start twice, and then finally exploding or opening up, uh, becoming something, transforming into something uh, real, alive, and moving forward. That's exactly the case. You have the first, the second, and the opening, transformation. And then at the end of the phrase, it does it again. The second, the third time, coincidence not just his transforms kind of explodes into a forte but the statement the little gesture is repeated three times one two three which is taken as the rhythmic mode for the next uh, theme So you heard that uh, the third time it became something else, uh, transformed into something. How interesting, huh? So um, there is an interesting connection here between Beethoven and um, Hegel. I'm not an uh, expert to talk about philosophy, uh, but I always found interesting how uh, Hegel was able to uh, articulate this uh, ternary principle um, uh, that uh, Beethoven, uh, I think he, I had the feeling, I had the sense that Beethoven was able to interpret musically very well in examples such as this. Thesis, antithesis and synthesis. I thought, uh, I thought this is certainly inspiring. Um, but also um, the ternary principle, uh, which we have just seen in, um, in the level, in the dimension of phrases, how phrases can uh, move forward through um, uh, application of a ternary principle, uh, also applies to larger uh, structures or musical form. It is quite common to find uh, classical music uh, separated into sections, three sections, the first and the last being based on the same material. This form is typically called ABA. Of course, A meaning the uh, either a repetition of the entire section as it is, or maybe a repetition with 
a few variations here and there but the identity between the first and the last shows that the trajectory of the music um, is able to move forward because after the middle section we are coming back to uh, to the home the first statement um, a typical example of classical music is the minuet the minuet traditionally is divided in three parts uh, they have a name it's they called minuet trio and minuet the trio the central part is called trio because uh, coincidentally was uh, performed only by three uh, instruments uh, rather than the entire orchestra giving a, a different more intimate uh, feel to it and since then even minuets written for uh, let's say keyboard uh, harpsichord or piano uh, they still maintain the distinction of minuet trio and minuet um, before we go to the final section of today's episode um, I wanted to just uh, uh, add a, a quick note on uh, other dimensions in which uh, the ternary principle is, uh, is applied in music, uh, ways in which uh, it's not common to, to hear people talking about it. Um, the cadential movement, what we call as the cadence or the perhaps the, the best example is the perfect cadence we think of it as 5-1 and we have heard it uh, a million times especially at the end of uh, a piece right that's a perfect cadence but this is possible only when we think of it as a part of a context and that context is a tonal context of um, uh, music that is uh, established around the chord number one so the the real cadence is not just five one but the real full cadence is a triple movement which is at the basis of uh, European or Western contemporary and classical tonal tonal harmony but it, it just shows you also the three steps of um, musical narration or tension and resolution uh, we, we cannot start from tension we have to start from a uh, starting point and then add the tension for, from which we will be able to resolve so you see that what we call the cadential or the cadence the cadential movement uh, and we think of it as a uh, uh, two places uh, uh, of tension and resolution is actually free um, and there, there is another um, another aspect in which uh, harmony can be can be seen as a play between free uh, uh, agents and um, you probably have heard the term tonic dominant and subdominant well uh, they represent the main functions that we hear when we uh, attend, participate in, uh, uh, in Western music. There are plenty of examples um, of this, but uh, the best example, I thought, it could be uh, the blues. The blues is uh, a form which is in 
12 bars, generally speaking, which is um, dividable for free. You see usually uh, music divided into three lines of four. Three lines of four, meaning three phrases. How interesting. This, the basic structure of, of blues is divided in three phrases. Mm. Uh, more than that, each of these phrases uh, is centered around one of these harmonic um, harmonic um, functions. Um, one is around the tonic, another is around the subdominant, and the last is around the dominant. So, if you if uh, if you're not too familiar with these terms, let's uh, let's say what they are: tonic, subdominant, and dominant. Okay, this allows me to come back to the tonic, subdominant, and dominant. Okay, this doesn't sound very blues, though. I I admit that now. my case uh, for uh, the triple principle in music. To conclude today's episode, which uh, was particularly uh, dense, I shall say, um, I'm gonna um, talk about uh, play uh, more than talk. Um, one of the most beautiful composition, I think, ever written in the history of music by um, Mozart, this is from the clarinet concerto in A, K622, uh, 622, and uh, I'm gonna uh, talk, uh, I'm gonna say a few things about the adagio, the, the second movement, um, because the number three here in applied uh, in the many ways I've, uh, I've presented today uh, seems to be perfectly um, represented. Um, how so? First of all, uh, the time signature is in free. Okay, this is the general general feel. One and two and three and and. Um, Another coincidence is that the very first note of the clarinet melody it's uh, on a triad, three notes. Right? Th those are the three notes. 
this is perhaps not necessarily um, statistically uh, uncommon um, but um, nevertheless it's uh, data um, but then if we look at the first three motives of the music uh, we realize something similar to what we encountered in Beethoven earlier we have the first statement the second and you see how the second already responds to the first but at the same time is a little development of the first it goes higher than the first the third not only responds to both the previous ones but uh, is longer uh, develops them and concludes them so here is a period made of eight bars but with three phrases isn't that a bit unsquare uneven illogical but musically perfect that's that's exactly what i'm trying to to get at and the f this first melody would be uh, repeated by uh, the orchestra mm, very much uh, in the same way you will hear um, raise uh, in the uh, dynamic uh, then we come back to piano, pianissimo, and uh, the soloist comes back with uh, this melody. explain um, we have eight bars once again divided in a magical manner into three short phrases the the third being a response of the second and the first uh, being once again a, a development and a conclusion of it perhaps i can just uh, say that even from the uh, formal perspective this piece um, uh, is in ABA form we have uh, an initial exposition of the main melodies we have a central section you will hear that the melody becomes a little bit uh, uh, creative and inventive capricious and uh, quick uh, will travel throughout the entire keyboard hopefully I'll be able to render this uh, clarinet feel and then after a little uh, cadence a little a little moment of improvisation we come back to the initial melody so a b and a um, mozart here adds a coda uh, you will hear when he goes the coda it it's quite long meaning it might feel is stands as a section on its own although uh, Mozart is able to uh, to just uh, give it a concluding 
a conclusion feel a conclusion sense therefore um, proportionally speaking even if it's uh, um, a significant amount of bars it doesn't really uh, stand the musical uh, weight of what happens before so here we go i give you the clarinet concerto in a the adagio and uh, through which you will have a link in the description i hope you enjoyed today's episode and i look forward to our uh, next meeting here at uh, where is the music podcast thank you again for listening and bye bye
Thanks for listening to Where is the Music podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, look up for others. I made a few. I publish an episode every week roughly, investigating each time a different aspect of music, the music making, the music listening, the meaning of music and its relevance in our lives. It is very helpful for me if you like, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform. Where is the Music is on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TuneIn and Google Podcasts. If you like to support me, you are free to do so through Patreon. Link in description. Thank you again. Until next time.